Hi everyone, and thank you for joining me today with the Codependent Perfectionist podcast. I am really excited about what we're going to talk about today because it has to do with parenting, and this comes straight from um, a recent therapy session that I had with a client, and I had suggested to her quite some time ago to read Indigo Children, and she's been reading that. And we ta- we were talking about one of the parts in it that um, I think is really relevant to so many parents and, and even grandparents, anyone with um, children or around children. So I just want to give you a little bit of background on the book Indigo Children. So this is a book that came out I believe in the 80s and it really speaks to how children have changed over time and the needs that kind of this newer wave of children has and what I love about this book is that especially if you have a child who has been labeled as sensitive or maybe with an attention deficit disorder issue, ADD, ADHD, um, you may find this book to be really helpful because it really speaks to some of those dynamics and takes away um, some of the concerns around mental health issues versus um, maybe what your child is kind of coming in with that is normal, but just different. And so we're going to speak a little bit about one particular piece of this, and that has to do with bringing fear and anxiety to your children. And I got a wonderful email from someone who listens to the podcast um, sharing a story about her daughter who is struggling with mental health issues and she gave me some uh, really great questions that I'm hoping to get to maybe today. But um, I want you to know that a lot of children who end up develop- developing mental health issues may fall under this category of indigo children. So it may be helpful for anyone with children that even are of an older age to read and just get an understanding of what they may have come into this world with that may have felt very different and maybe hard for a lot of the adults around that child to manage and especially once your child gets to that school age and um is in that type of environment they may have had some issues with um teachers not knowing how to cope with with the needs of these particular type of children or if they did, it might have been too much because as you know, teachers are faced with a lot and they're dealing with an entire class of people and may have not been able to give your child what they needed. And so one of the things that this particular parent shared with me is that even in kindergarten, um, this person's daughter was dealing with some anxiety and started developing feelings of shame and not being good enough. And so right there, you kind of know that there was probably some sort of issue around the environment that that she was in at that time. So 
it's difficult as parents to know what to do in that situation because especially if you're sending your your child to the one school in town and they're not meeting your child's needs, it can be very difficult to figure out what to do with that. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about dealing with mental health and um, other related issues with some older children. But for now, I just want to touch on this whole idea of dealing with fear with our children. So let me just find here this page. So I'm going to just, I'm going to read an excerpt from the book out to you. And so, and then we'll, we'll just talk a little bit about it. So the title of this particular section, this is on page 56 of Indigo Children. And it says sending potent positive messages to children. And this part is by Judith Spittler McKee. And she says, um, All children require personal and intense care, attention, time, encouragement, and guidance from from adults. The overall tone of the adult-child interactions needs to be emotionally caring, loving, and soothing, as well as intellectually clear and stimulating. The verbal and nonverbal messages sent need to be consistently lighthearted and welcoming to children, as if they were invited and cherished guests in our lives. And how beautiful is that? I mean, I, I just love that part. And then she says, many times adults feel, act, and talk in ways that make children feel they are anything but welcome, rather that they are actually bad, a burden, or a nuisance. These unwelcoming, heavy-hearted messages are extremely damaging to the growth, learning, striving, and creativity of children who look to adults as models and and for support. Children experience these messages as, I'm a bad child, unwanted here. These painful messages of fear lessen children's ability to respond and can seriously stunt their overall development. Conversely, a stream of lighthearted, welcoming messages of growth is interpreted as, I'm a good child, my world is positive and loving. This view develops children's trust and opens up internal motivation to grow, learn, strive, and create. And so then she goes on to talk about developing trust or mistrust with children. And I'm just going to speak, I'm just going to actually tell you a little bit about what she says again, and, and then we'll go into this a little bit more. But children develop trust as they learn in their bodies and spirits that they that their basic physical, emotional, intellectual, and creative needs will be met by the caregivers and, and special adults in their lives. And the messages sent and care given by adults must be more pleasant than painful and more love-based than fear-based. So she goes on to give um, several different examples about um, different types of heavy-hearted versus light interactions. And I'm just going to touch on one on page 59 where she says, and this is the one that I spoke specifically with my client about, she said, your children are out in the world beyond your control. And so she gives the example of the heavy, unwelcoming statement, which is, don't go on that slide. You could break your neck like that girl on the TV. Don't Don't get down before you end up in the hospital. Or... Don't talk to strangers. Dangerous characters are lurking everywhere. Call me the second you arrive. Continually expecting the worst to happen fills your children with fear. 
a generalized uneasiness or an actual physical readiness for danger. These negative emotions flood the body with specialized hormones for fear, flight, and fight that can greatly weaken the immune system, producing illnesses such as earaches or digestive upsets. So, and then she gives she gives the example of a more light and welcoming statement, and I want you to hear this too because I think it's important to know what may be more helpful to say because that's some something that many of us struggle with. So here's the more light, welcoming statement. I know we've talked about safety and being careful with people you don't know. Do you want to ask me anything before you go to the concert with your friends? I know you'll be okay today because you are careful and know how to take care of yourself. I know you use your head and heart together. Remember, you can always call home if you need to or if you just want to talk, okay? Affirmatively stating the actions you desire will reinforce those habits with your child. So... I could probably go on and talk about pretty much everything in this book in great detail because of how great I think it is. And just the fact that even, you know, this book, which came out, you know, over 30 years ago, is still so relevant today. And we live in what many people will consider a very scary world, right? So it's easy for so many of us to focus on some of that fear and all of the potential things that could happen to our children. And I just want to be um, very clear with everyone that we as parents set the stage on creating like a safe and welcoming environment for our children. And although there are real dangers and real things that may happen out in the world, not that we want to be unrealistic where we we tell our children, oh, none of that will ever happen, right? We don't want that either. But we want to be very careful about our own fears and anxieties and how those translate to our children. Because if we're constantly coming from a place of fear of what could happen to our children negatively, they're going to feel that from us and they're much less likely to develop a frame of reference to the world that feels safe. And really as parents, it's so important that we're helping our children feel safe within so that they can go out and function in the world and not have to worry as much about what may be going on around them. So there's always like this delicate balance here where we're helping them really um, be aware of the potential of, you know, things that aren't okay and aren't acceptable. Like we want them to know, you know, if someone violates their boundaries, like an adult does something that's not appropriate, we want them to be aware of that and know um, that that's not okay. That may not mean they know how to navigate it themselves, and they probably shouldn't. But that's very different from being fearful of every adult that you encounter that you don't know. And so we need to be very careful that we're not um, sending the message to our children to not trust the people around them and the world around them. And I'll give you an example that I I write about in the book and I also um, think is really relevant to a lot of people and that is, you know, as parents and, and I deal with this myself, right? Like 
it's hard to let go as a parent and allow your children to feel feel some anxiety out there in the world and potentially not be able to control what happens to them, right? But that's very different from being an adult in their life who's trying to control it so much to make sure that they're not experiencing anything negative. And that's really where codependency comes in, right? And so there's an example that I want to give, which is a client of mine's um, ex-partner who had two children. And this person was unwilling to allow the children to be really around anyone else in terms of being babysat by them, right? So in all of their years, I think they were about nine years old and seven years old or something along those lines, they had never slept away from this parent one night in their life. And that's really significant because not that you know, oh, you should be going out and traveling all the time, but your kids should be able to have some sense of safety when you're not around. And what was happening in this particular situation was that one of the children particularly had very intense anxiety. And so it it became this um, chicken-egg situation where the parent felt like, they couldn't leave their child because the child was severely anxious, right? And then the child, of course, was was saying, don't leave me, don't leave me, right? Because the thought of their parent leaving was so horrifying to them because they had, you know, on some level, they had gone so long without having their parent leave that the thought of them leaving became really disturbing. And so the parent and child kind of got into like a collusion on this issue where neither were working in a way that allowed some space to work through it. And if you have a child that's severely anxious, I'm sure you can understand the dilemma here and how difficult it is to navigate that as a parent, right? And I really want to say it is very difficult to navigate when your child is struggling with any sort of mental health issue. And anxiety can really be a difficult one, right? Because we don't really know how much to give into it and how much to put a boundary around it. And there, you know, just like anything else, there's no clear formula with it. But what is important potentially in that situation is that the parent starts just taking some really small steps to start allowing the child to work through their anxiety not don't rip out the carpet from underneath them but small steps so that the child can start to feel safe without that parent because you don't want that child to continue to go through the through their life feeling like they need their parent to feel safe and okay and you know that will transfer in in different scenarios onto different things and instead of that we want to really work through that anxiety with the child right so you know many of you may be dealing with this and and all sorts on a continuum right where maybe your child has some anxiety and so you want to of course be kind and loving with that without just don't take it too far is is my 
is really what I'm trying to say here, right? Because when we take it too far is when we get into that real codependent place. And we just, we want to have children that really thrive in this world. So be mindful about sending much more positive messages to your children about their ability to navigate difficulties and potential issues. And for any of you who are um, Disney fans out there, um, there's a really wonderful part, and I laugh because I have young children, so I'm constantly watching Disney movies. But um, if you ever watch Tangled, and there's that moment um, where Mother Gothel is singing the song Mother Knows Best, and it's all about why Rapunzel needs to stay in the tower because of all of the potential things that she may face if she leaves, right? All the scary stuff out there. And of course, this, you know, is all about the mother's fear. And, you know, and that in this movie, of course, it's about all different things. But many of us can relate to that as parents, that we're fearful about what our children are going to experience in the world. And so we don't want them to go out there and have to deal with it and experience that. And we don't want to send our children that message that's real codependency you know and that's really what a lot of this helicopter parenting and now it's called snowplow parenting which I talk about um, that's what it's all about and so I'm going to keep speaking on this because it's really one of my passions to help parents kind of find that balance between being loving and taking care of our children versus becoming codependent and really trans transmitting fear to our children, which is a whole different thing. So let's talk a moment about that parent that I mentioned at the beginning, who's dealing with a 17 year old who has difficulty with depression and it looks like some substance abuse issues. And she says, my question is, how can you figure out if you are codependent slash enabling a child that has health emotional issues? And if you are, how can you give them the support a parent should provide, but not in an unhealthy way that prevents the the child's growth and confidence? So, you know, this is a tough one. And I will tell you... um, I shared with this parent, and I and I want to share with all of you that I have a, su- a support group that I run for parents of teenagers and young adults because these issues are so stressful and difficult to deal with on your own. And so my first suggestion always is get support um, and, and lots of support. Like if you're seeing a therapist, great. Um, join a support group too. Find find other parents that are dealing with similar issues because really it's very different than you going through this all on your own or just with the you know support of your partner who's also going through it with you right so our group we actually call konomo which is codependent no more right and we talk exactly about this stuff how do we support our children when they're going through some really difficult things without becoming codependent. And this is also a lot about, a lot of what I talk about in the book, but um, my rule of thumb that I've I've really focused on with these parents and um, 
maybe one day I'll have some of them on to speak about this because they're, they're so great. But um, part of it is what's called dropping your agenda. And that can be really hard to do when your child's dealing with some really difficult stuff because you know the pushback of course is what do you, how can i not care about what my child is doing when they're doing things that are potentially harmful to their their life and maybe even you know at a point of being suicidal so it's you're talking about really serious things now when we're at that place of it, I would not give up as a parent in terms of trying to get my child the help that they need, of course. And so I just want to say that before I talk more about what what it means to drop your agenda. But why this is, there's so much codependency that can go on between parent and child when there's um, mental health issues and substance abuse issues. And so what we really have to talk about is when we drop our agenda, we drop our need for them to do things in the time that we believe that it should be done and how it should be done. And I believe that that's really important when we're, when we're in this place because I find so many parents that are really in such turmoil, just obsessing about their child, their child's every move and what they need to do to get clean or what they need to do to take care of themselves. And there's, there's a big difference between helping your child get the care that they need and being obsessed with it. And so many of my, the parents that I've worked with, and this this can be even parents, I've worked with parents of adult children with, with these issues, and the same stuff is going on, where the parent does what I call jumping on the roller coaster with their child. And what that means is that, you know, the child is out of control. They're on a roller coaster, they're up, they're down, they're here, they're there. And you get into that seat next to them and just go along for the ride. And that's what I want to help people not do. Because when we do that, we often stop taking care of ourselves. I mean, I have a parent I've worked with whose life became so consumed by this whole thing for so many years that she basically stopped focusing on herself, stopped working, stopped attending to other things in her life because it was all about what was going on with the child. And that's when you know that you're in a codependent place. And so, of course, her agenda for the child to get well was so strong because she needed that kid to get well. Because without that, she wasn't well and she wasn't okay, right? And so there's a lot of separation that needs to happen here. And in a loving way, of course, we we don't just say, well, deal with it and screw you. But we have to find the delicate balance of both being supportive and loving but not being enmeshed in it. And I'm going to keep talking more about this because there's so much to the, these situations, but um, my suggestion for you after you get lots and lots of support is really around being mindful of how much this has impacted your own life and what boundaries you can put in place to help 
not go too far with it. And while you're doing that, also working on dropping that agenda that your kid needs to work it through, maybe in the way you need or want them to, um, because that can be really difficult for parents. So thank you guys so much for joining me. I hope that it was helpful and please continue on with your questions. They are wonderful and can't wait to talk to you guys more. The book will be coming out in the next couple of months, probably about six months from now, The Codependent Perfectionist Guides Parenting, and I can't wait to share it all with you.